Hey, hey, welcome to episode 60 of the Authors Read Podcast. I'm your host, Leah Ryan. Today's guest is Michelle Silverthorne, and she'll read from her book, Authentic Diversity, How to Change the Workplace for Good. This is Michelle Silverthorne. I am reading from my book, Authentic Diversity, How to Change the Workplace for Good. Chapter one. Hello from the 70th floor. It's 9 a.m. on a Monday morning. I walk into the 70th floor of a steel and glass skyscraper in, well, it could be any city in the world, but let's say this one is Chicago. It's where I live. Beautiful view of the lake, standard. Glass doors, oak desks, pictures, prizes, and awards. And look, it's you, workplace leader, walking out to greet me. We'll be spending the morning together because you, workplace leader, just got some very bad news. Maybe you released your diversity numbers on Friday at 4 p.m. because you knew what the reaction would be and you did your best to hide the numbers as much as you could. Maybe your organization is being sued by a woman who was harassed out of the workplace. Maybe you had a superstar group of employees of color who told you last week that they're all leaving together. Maybe a client called and said they wanted more diversity on the team that you're sending them and you realized you had no one to send. Or you did have one person to send and just one except you're already sending them to the other client who made an identical request earlier. Or you did find someone to go and they explained how offensive it was to only ever be used as the token. And you didn't understand what that meant. Maybe a minority executive you were heavily recruiting turned you down and when you asked her why, she was frank. Why would I come somewhere where no one looks like me? Maybe you read the news that morning and saw that one of your stores had a problematic product or an offensive commercial or kicked out someone who just wanted to sit down and read a newspaper. Except that person was black. Maybe someone made a comment in a meeting. Maybe someone sent an email. Maybe someone sent a dozen emails. Maybe that someone was you. All of these are possible. Sometimes they happen, but sometimes you are someone else. You are an Indian nurse, a black manager, a Latino executive, or a woman partner. And you want others to see what you're seeing, to understand what you go through every day, especially the white men who dominate the management and executive positions at your workplace. You want them to see that no matter how much they say inclusion matters, diversity counts, or how many programs, dinners, and scholarships that they have, leadership looks the same as it did 100 years ago. See, most of the time, the reason I get a call from you is that you have had enough. You may be the CEO, you may be the head of talent development, people, recruiting, or even diversity, inclusion, and belonging. You may be a mid-level manager. You may be a straight, cisgender, white male executive without a disability. No matter who you are and whatever level you are at in your organization, you are a leader. A leader who sees the problem with workplace diversity and wants to know how to solve it. That's when you meet me. I walk up to you, you shake my hand, and we head into your office to try to change the world because that is exactly what we are going to do together. I am Michelle Silverthorne. I specialize in equity, inclusion, and organizational change. In the next few chapters, I'm going to outline precisely why we are stuck on workplace equity and what actions you as a leader can take to change that. I don't care what your title is. I don't care if you started 30 years ago or this morning. You are a leader in how you act with, talk about, and deliver results to the people you work with. You have the power to make diversity matter for good. This book applies to all leaders. However, many of the lessons we will discuss, including ones about race, anti-blackness, and privilege, 
especially applied to the leaders who have long been running the American workplace, white men. The changes I want to see leaders make start at the very top, with people who have the clout to bring others on board and the resources to make change happen. Throughout corporate America, those people are almost always white men. If you're one of those white men reading this book, then recognize that much of what I say is intended for you. I don't have any cute acronyms. I'm not here to sell you anything. I'm not going to make you sit through 180 pages of fluff just to read five pages of a half-baked solution. Because I'm tired too. I'm tired of attending the same meetings, getting frustrated at the same stalled progress, sitting on the same ineffective panels, and hearing the same complaints over and over again. It's not enough to see a problem or acknowledge a challenge exists. I don't want leaders who stand back and complain. I want leaders who stand up and make a change. In these pages, I'm going to deliver to you the tools to successfully transform your stalled diversity outcomes. These are the same tools I share with leadership teams and organizations across the globe. I study their companies and their culture. I tell them the challenges I see based both on my experience with similar organizations and on my research, writing, and professional work. Then we work on designing solutions together centered on equity. My work delivers results. Whether cultural shifts or honest conversations or strategy design, hiring plans, talent development models, the work I do with my clients produces the change they are looking for and the change they didn't know they needed. What I share with them is what I'm going to share with you today, the new rules for equity. It's time for new rules. We have long been trying to make progress using the old world's rules of diversity, but it's a new decade in a new century, in a new world permanently changed by a pandemic, and today we need new rules of equity to truly transform the workplace into one of inclusion. And these new rules center on one simple truth. People matter. That woman who just quit her job isn't a statistic, a number, a minority, or a beneficiary of affirmative action. She isn't the diverse one. She is a person. A person who wanted to succeed and you as a leader failed her. You'll keep failing her and everyone who comes after her if you're not willing to change the old rules of diversity you're leading with. So try to read this book all at once. On your lunch break, after dinner, on a flight, in your office, between student visits, on the elliptical, on the studio back lot, after you've put your kids to bed, whenever and wherever you can. Because people are struggling and suffering and leaving, the more time we waste, the more people become statistics and the more hopeless change seems to be. Let's get started. I want to give you a few reality checks on why changing the workplace is much easier to say than to do. Reality check number one. This isn't a comfortable book. If you are a white workplace leader, then this book is likely to make you feel very uncomfortable. I'm not going to pat you on the back and say, what a great job you've done. We have become far too comfortable at failing at equity. Too many leaders are okay with saying, well, that's just the way it is. Or we make the following excuses. There aren't enough qualified people. We don't have the time to train them. They aren't applying for the job. We have to hire and hire fast. They wouldn't have cut it here anyway. Let me repeat. Those are excuses. They are rationalizations to avoid putting them in the hard, self-reflective, and often painful work of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Leveling the playing field means incurring the wrath of those who have been winning on that uneven playing field all this time. Are you ready for that anger, that resentment? I want you to be honest. Are you ready to get uncomfortable? Are you ready to be challenged? 
Are you ready to do more than pay lip service to diversity? Are you ready to be held accountable? Are you ready to put your money where your convictions are? Are you ready to be bold, to be brave? Are you ready to think about the world differently? Because if you're not ready, then get ready. Because I want you to change the workplace. And changing the workplace takes hard work. It takes courageous leaders standing up to say, this may be the way we've always done it, but here is the way we are going to change it. Reality check number two. Oh, they're so well-intentioned. Do you know how many times I've heard people say that their leadership, their managers, their employees are all well-intentioned? I know we do it because we think words like racism, discrimination, sexism, transphobia apply only to bad people. They do not apply to good, well-intentioned folks. If you knew their hearts, you'd know is the excuse I hear. Well, you know, I can't know their hearts. Their actions are all I have to go by. Show me the proof of good intentions because that person who just sent the email excruciating your organization for its lack of gender diversity doesn't care if your leaders are well-intentioned. She cares about what they did. Simply put, assuming everyone is well-intentioned prioritizes one person's comfort over another person's pain. The focus has to be on the impact of their actions. The homogeneity that results from well-intentioned choices that you and your recruiters have made. The inequity that results from well-intentioned policies that you and your managers have put into place. The exclusion that results from well-intentioned actions that you and your employees have performed. Look at the data. Look at the numbers. Look at the exit interviews. Look at who is staying and who is leaving and realize this. Falling back on well-intentioned will leave you right where you started. Focused on the successful majority and how well-intentioned they are rather than on the marginalized minority and how excluded they have become. Reality check number three. I am black, black, black. This book is written by a black woman in the American workplace. I will tell a lot of stories about being black. I will talk about anti-black racism in America. I will talk about my own journey to anti-racism. I will tell my story. And that story is from the perspective of a marginalized identity in today's society, a black woman in America. But there are many other marginalized identities. I use terms such as marginalized, those who have been historically excluded due to their identity from power structures in their society, minority, those who are disadvantaged in relation to the dominant social group, the majority, and person of color, a person who is not considered white, BIPOC, black, indigenous, and people of color, to acknowledge the unique experiences of discrimination faced by indigenous people and by black people, knowing that they are messy imperfect terms that encapsulate millions of people in America at the intersection of particular cultures and races, ethnicities, genders, orientations, beliefs, families, histories, and stories. I want to confess this at the beginning because much of the challenge I see with diversity is that we are so nonspecific in our efforts, often deliberately so because it is harder to be specific. So we speak as if every marginalized professional has the same challenges. It's also why we use the term diverse, so we can be broader rather than be specific. It is comfortable to be broader. It is much more uncomfortable to be specific. That's why terms continue to evolve, using anti-blackness rather than racism, for example, to ensure that we are specific in what actions we are discussing and what solutions we are putting into place. So I will try to be specific. I am a black, straight, cisgender, 
37-year-old immigrant woman without a disability, speaking from a black, straight, cisgender, 37-year-old immigrant woman without a disability's perspective. I constantly work to be inclusive in my examples and in my language, so I want to be honest about my lived experiences from the start. I am writing a book about diversity, but I will speak a great deal about race, specifically about blackness. I will not wave my hands in the air to distract you while I pretend that my particular lens does not exist. I might not always succeed. That's why you're here to hold me accountable. Because I call this book Authentic Diversity for two reasons. First, because diversity is still the language of the workplace, for now, and my focus is the workplace. Second, because I get calls from leadership, and to a person, those calls have similar complaints and concerns. Then I talk to their marginalized employees, and to a person, those calls have similar complaints and concerns across organizations, across industries, across cultures, across countries, across identities. There are stories about being excluded, overlooked, and ignored, about the assumptions made about their competence or lack thereof, about accommodations that cannot be made for them but can magically appear for others, about the in-groups that they are not a part of, about the jokes that they have seen sent in emails, about the extra unpaid work they have to do, about the hurtful statements made about them, about the belief that they should be this because they look like that about the rules that are never explained to them but they are expected to compete with, about the competition that is already stacked against them before they even come in the door, about the constant, unending, emotional toll of being a marginalized employee in the workplace. So no, I cannot and will not speak for everyone. But I can start with one person. I want to start with Jasmine because she's the reason I started this journey. It's her world I've been working to transform, which is why it's time to meet her. It's time to learn the old rules of diversity, the rules that can no longer stand. Are you ready to change the workplace? Good. So am I. Let's begin. I'd like to thank Michelle for sharing her book with us today. And thank you for listening to the Authors Read Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes for the link to the book. If you'd like to support the Authors Read podcast, please like, subscribe, or share. Until next time!